I am Maggie Miked Up, and you probably shouldn't listen to me. I am in no way a professional. I am simply a person that grew up in a world of chaos and managed to find a quiet place in that world for myself. I have worked extensively on my own healing. I've burned the bridges that reliably allowed bringers of chaos into my life, and I have replaced them with bridges that allow me to advance in the quiet I covet. This may be relatable for those of you that also grew up with the flames of chaos engulfing your environment, and may help you form your own path to peace. Get to know me as I share my perspective on various life struggles, and how I found myself peace in paradise. In this episode of Peace in Paradise, we are going to head over to Reddit for some pet-related questions, starting with user Ecstatic Narwhals. I'm getting married next year in an outdoorsy nature reserve in some woods with a barn. Because it's a nature reserve, the venue let us know that we can't have dogs at our wedding, unless it was very specifically our dog, who they met before, to check that they would be well-behaved. They would stay on the lead the whole time, etc., our dog is a rescue and actually still a little nervy around new people, so we decided it was best if she stayed home with a sitter, and we just had a dog-free weekend. We sent out our save the dates last week, and a couple days ago I got a message from my cousin asking if we'd forgotten to put his dog's name on the invite. The thing is, his dog's not at all trained. He jumps up at people, barks and whines constantly, if he's not getting attention, has extreme separation anxiety to the point that they can't even both go to the bathroom at the same time, or he will destroy furniture, has been known to nip when he gets excited, and is generally just not well-behaved. This is completely my cousin's fault for getting a high-energy breed and then not doing any training with him. But my point is that if I were to invite any dog, this is the last dog I would choose, because his behavior is not suited to a group event where it will be loud and stressful for the dog. I replied and explained that we couldn't have dogs, unfortunately, and at this point he kicked off and asked if I was expecting him to pay for a new suit, travel, hotel, etc., and now a weekend at kennels? And if his dog wasn't invited, he wasn't going to come because his dog separation anxiety means he cannot be left with anyone else. I was pretty pissed off, but replied and said I totally understand that traveling here would be an expense for him, and if the extra money needed for a sitter or kennel meant he couldn't come, I was sad he wouldn't make it, but understand and would be happy to catch up some other time. He never replied, and I left it. I really don't think I've done anything wrong, to be honest, but I'm now being harassed by multiple family members and they're telling me that I'm being a stubborn asshole for not making an exception for this one dog. My mom's argument is that if we're not taking my dog, our cousin's dog can be there instead and that I'm causing a huge family row because we're being Brazilian. Sometimes I can be a little bit clueless, and I'll definitely apologize if I'm in the wrong. So, Reddit, am I the asshole? 
while we can all be certain, you are not the asshole. As you'll hear in a later response, we have been the people with an under-socialized dog. We have spent seven years working with her to date, and we'll be working with her well into her old age. There were several years where if we attended an event that was too long, we would have one of us stay back with our dogs. We eventually paid people, often family members, but occasionally friends, to stay at our house with our dogs to ensure our one dog maintained the exact same schedule we found worked. What we didn't do was expect other people to deal with the situation we were drowning in. We found our few safe people and only did things when they were available. We didn't bring this dog to family events or meals. We didn't bring her for visits until she was ready to experience a bigger world outside of her safe home. It wouldn't have been kind to her to expect her to endure such events. Now we have addressed what I would do if I was your cousin, I will address what I would do and have done in your shoes. It is your wedding. You are not being bridezilla by not inviting a dog to your event. You are not responsible for someone else's obligations. I used to have someone in my life that made it their life mission to force me to take care of them and their life. This person ruined many events in my life, as well as many average days. If they don't bring you peace in life, they aren't someone that needs to be in your life. They will likely always be entitled, and dare I say bratty, if entertained by everyone around them. They will likely continue their ways even if you don't entertain them. However, you won't have to deal with it. If your family decides that your cousin's relationship with their dog is more important than your wedding day, that is what I would call a them problem. Emphasis on them. What I would not do is give in to these demands, as they're obscene. If your cousin can't figure out what to do with their dog, like every other pet owner, including yourself, that is the very definition of a them problem. They either figure it out or don't an RSA VP that they are not attending. No skin off your neck. It sounds like there are two people in his household. Perhaps one of them can stay behind and avoid using the washroom for the duration of your wedding while your cousin attends your wedding. I would simply state that the allowance is for your one dog and not one dog of your choosing. It's a venue issue. If your cousin would like their dog to attend a wedding, they can plan and pay for their own wedding. He has a year to work on training in regards to this dog's separation anxiety and to introduce a pet sitter or find a boarding business that can accept his dog while he is absent. Some even offer live cams where the owners can watch their dog at certain points in the boarding process. I would then communicate this to your venue. So if someone else calls the venue, they can confirm that their allowance is for your one specific dog and that they cannot or will not allow any others. It could be an insurance issue where they are the only ones in a contract with you. So if your dog does something, they have some recourse and insurance to cover it. Whereas if this dog belonging to someone not on contract does something, they don't have the insurance to cover something should the situation arise. 
For anyone else that tries to push this issue, I would state this once, and only once, that the venue prohibits the attendance of any dog that isn't yours, and that you will no longer entertain any communication about this with anyone at all. If people try, I would simply not respond. If it is someone that you need to communicate with for your event, respond with, this has been asked and answered. I will no longer address Cousin Charles's dog. However, if you would like to discuss what time we are meeting to select flowers at and some flowers, we can talk about that. Keep this as a hard line. People have a year to cool off from this dog situation and to remember what is important. If anyone chooses to no longer be a part of your wedding or your flower selection process, find somebody that's willing to go with you, go alone, or go with your future spouse. For me, this firm boundary is what has led to the most peace in my life. Adding boundaries has encouraged estrangement from the stress-inducing people in my life, but the door remains as open as it safely can. You've got this, and if people are still much too offended by having the dog excluded, perhaps they should pay to have it trained by a professional, as it sounds like the work your cousin is putting in isn't cutting it. Now, we move on to user and dude. I have a 15-year-old chihuahua that I've had since she was a baby. She's basically my child at this point, and I'm sure she loves me as much as I love her as she's always happy to be with me, even in her ripe old age. She recently got diagnosed with kidney disease stage 2. It was really hard to hear, but me and my boyfriend of one and a half years have been giving her IV fluids and her new kidney diet. She seems to be doing fine, really. She walks normally and is still her usual yappy happy self, but basically, I have a trip coming up. I'm going out of town for a concert for three days, and I was wondering if I should take her with me or leave her with my boyfriend. I'm saying this because I've flown her before and noticed how uncomfortable and stressed she gets in her little kennel, which is mandatory in planes. She kept whimpering and barking last time I flew with her. If I leave her home with my boyfriend, I feel like he'll take good care of her because he seems fond of her from what he's known her for the last one and a half years. We've been together. I mean, he's taken care of her before for weeks, but my dog's kind of apathetic and a little fond of him. Not the happiest, but she's fine with him. I'm just worried because my mom said I should be taking advantage of every single moment I have with my dog, especially in her old age. But I also don't want to put her through the stress of flying an hour and passing through TSA. But I don't want anything to happen with her while I'm gone. Oh my gosh, what should I do? In life, you have to make whatever choice you know you can live with. If you have any questions of if he will treat her well, then don't leave her with him. Does she have a second favorite person you could utilize instead? If you know for a fact he'll treat her with respect and kindness the whole time, there likely isn't a lot of harm with her staying with him. Understand that with her age and condition, there is a chance she doesn't survive until you make it home. Can you live with that? Yes. Can your relationship survive that? Also yes? Then go with a clear conscience. If either answer is no, consider staying home and going to a concert another time after she is no longer with you. If you choose to go to the concert, ensure that you leave clear 
and direct end-of-life plans for her so that the person she is left with can follow your choices for her. Be prepared to cover euthanization if she declines quickly. Be prepared to cover the cost of cremation or whatever you plan for her when she is laid to rest. Do you want to have a paw or a nose print made? Where would you like her taken for end-of-life care? If you want to make these decisions and say goodbye when you return, find a clinic that will store her remains until you return and can make and pay for these decisions. Personally, I wouldn't bring her with me on a flight anywhere, especially if she has to spend some time alone in an unfamiliar location. This sounds like a lot of unnecessary stress. If, on the off chance, she passes on the trip with you, you may be stuck utilizing a vet in an unfamiliar place, and you may struggle to receive her ashes should you want them returned. Once you have stepped back and taken a look at all of the options through a clear lens, make the best decision that you can live with forever. This next situation is relationship-related from user Dapper Environment 248. So throughout the whole duration of our relationship, two years, my partner has occasionally kept in contact with his ex harmlessly about a dog that they got together. I want to specify it is his dog. His mom bought the dog for him as a birthday present. She just happened to be present in the dog's life for five years. Now, my partner asks her every once in a while to see the dog, which she politely declines, and I've told him to just stop messaging her because one, she has said several times she doesn't want to see the dog for whatever reason, and two, I just don't really feel comfortable with it for my own reasons. So the other day he was showering and we got talking in the bathroom. He had a song play and I was going to switch up the song. So I opened his phone. He left his Instagram open and I saw he had messaged her, even though I've told him four times now that I don't feel comfortable. So I'm curious to look and I noticed they have a chat and her messages are silent. So I go and I look, and of course it's him begging her to see the dog again. Am I crazy for being upset and thinking he might not be over her? I haven't talked with him yet, but I just feel like I can't do it anymore. We have other issues, but this is really the icing on the cake for me. He keeps their notes they wrote as teens, the ring she once got him, it's just heavy and I feel like crying because I shouldn't have to keep asking him for the bare minimum. Well, you aren't crazy for being upset. I would take one of two different approaches in this situation. Both would bring me great peace and one would give me a bit of pleasure with that peace. Now, it's all kinds of red flags that he is using the dog to maintain a line of communication that, from the information you provided, doesn't appear to be reciprocated. With that being said, I wouldn't let him see me sweat over this at all. In a while, I'd ask if his ex, let's call her Cynthia, has wanted to meet his dog. And if she hasn't, I'd tell him to offer to have her meet with me and with the dog. Take him right out of the equation. She may accept at this point, or if she has no interest in being involved with his act, she will likely decline. If she accepts, I'd show up with the dog and hang out. Maybe get Starbucks or a booster juice and go for a walk. If he insists on keeping you out, it is likely that he's using the dog as a, mean, a means of connection to his ex. And it is time to move on. 
If you'd like, you can choose to try counseling. It sounds like the two of you are young and learning to be a team of your own. If you choose to try counseling, I would go into it with the intention to learn how to foster better relationships. Understand that a better relationship may not be with him. Sometimes couples, even if they are both growing, grow apart. But it's more likely that one is trying to better themselves and the other is trying to change the other. Be in it to better yourself. Give yourself a fighting chance in a future relationship, whether it's with this guy or someone else that comes along. If he continues to show he doesn't value your relationship, I don't know about now, but over the years, I have been notified by a few strangers that my exes have kept notes, clothing, or other items from our time together, and often refer to me as the one that got away. It isn't flattering. It is simply them holding on to memories that don't represent our time together. I know not everyone is like this. However, once a relationship is over, I will never go back to it. If I did, old habits would resurface, and I know it'll never work out, for the same reasons it didn't work out the first time. So for your boyfriend, don't flatter him by thinking she would even take him back. Just enjoy the time you have together, or separate. Don't stoop to his maturity level. Just work on yourself, and if he rises to the occasion, great. If he doesn't, someone out there will, and he can go back to reminiscing about a relationship that will likely not happen. Now, the second approach cuts all of this out. He is showing you that he does not care about how you feel within the relationship. It's okay to listen to his actions and simply walk away now. You don't have to wait for him to decide you're worthy or to leave you. You can make the choice yourself to move on to someone that is better prepared to be a part of a team and work with you rather than spend their days working against you. If this is what you choose, don't ever look back. He isn't worth another moment of your time. Let us move on to a situation I relate to far too much. User Puzzleheaded Rip 680 says, Hi all. I'm in need of some help. I've also used the opportunity to vent about the situation a bit, so I'm sorry. Here we go. After five years of love, our beautiful rescue greyhound Apollo suddenly passed away from a fast-moving cancer in January. I'll say no more on that, or I'll cry. Anyways, around March, we began looking to adopt a new grey to help with healing and also honor Polly's memory by continuing to spread the love. A little over a month ago, we adopted Isidro, a two-year-old greyhound. He was rescued as a puppy from people looking to train him as a racer. Then he was rescued again about half a year ago from this dog rescuer who had turned into a dog hoarder. During that time, he'd lived in unsanitary conditions, was bullied by other dogs, and was kept locked up 24-7. Afterwards, his new rescuer also kept him locked up 24-7 in a dilapidated barn with other dogs who also bullied him. No improvement there except for the fact that she was at least actively trying to get him rehomed. I'm pleased to say Isidro has settled in well with my family during this past month. Still a bit jumpy and frightened, but learning to trust us as we love and care for him. The main issue we've encountered is, as the post's title suggests, the walks. 
We want him to go on walks because they're good exercise for him and a lovely bonding activity for us all. But the second he hears the tinkling of anything that sounds like his leash, he begins trembling horribly and starts hyperventilating. It's terrifying. I feel like he might have a stroke at any moment. We've tried positive reinforcement with treats, pets, praises, and toys. We've tried with them before, during and after the walks, but nothing seems to work. He calms down after a while, or rather accepts his fate, but he goes straight to bed the second we return home to recover from the outing. He doesn't go potty during the walks. He doesn't sniff or look around. He just walks as if headed to the gallows or as if he's being haunted by a ghost. Maybe both? We've taken to opening the front door and trying to encourage him to at least step into the front yard, which is fenced and perfectly safe, but he won't budge. The backyard, yes. The front yard is lava. Everything beyond the front yard is lava. It's devastating to see him so scared. We've tried asking the rescuer that had him before us for tips, but she threatened to take him back. He's already had this trembling issue with her. She even joked about it during the adoption process, brushing it off as just nerves. We're desperate to help our baby. Are we going too fast? We only try once or twice a week. Keep the walks short and take him to calm places with little or no people or pets. Should we try more, less, change the leash? It's new. It's all fabric except for the clip. I'm going insane. I'm the dog whisperer of the family. I was the one who brought Apollo home, physically and mentally broken from years of abuse, and fully rehabilitated him into a healthy and happy gray all those years ago. And this isn't me just saying it for brownie points online. My parents always talk about all that I did back then, like I'm a hero. But I don't remember that. I just remember my dog being happy, and I want that for my new dog as well. I don't actually live with my parents anymore, so I can't take the lead in rehabilitating Isidro, and all this just makes me feel like I'm failing him. Maybe I'm not instructing my parents well. Maybe I've misread the dog's needs. Am I missing something? I don't know what to do. Please help. I just want our baby to be well. This situation gets me right in the feelings. I'll start with a story that began one month after we purchased our first home. My partner found a dog on Facebook. The ad said she was blind, and the first person to show up with $100 takes her. We weren't fully ready to add a second dog to our home, but we knew she couldn't stay where she was to be given to the first available person. Prior to moving, we were heavily involved with local rescues, and we knew we could find her a rescue group that suited her needs. We soon realized she was not simply blind from birth. She had sustained a head injury recently, causing part of her face to appear sunken in, and she had a substantial brain injury. Once whatever the previous people had given her to keep her calm completely wore off, we quickly learned we were in way over our heads. She circled constantly, almost always in one direction. If anything caused her to feel excited, stressed, or to have high energy at all, she'd circle to the point she would fall over and then continue trying to circle while laying on the ground. She reminded me of Homer Simpson spinning on the floor whooping. We knew that we had to do right by her, 
And despite being in way over our heads, we knew we were her best chance. I have experience with traumatic brain injuries and know how trauma can change the chemistry of the brain and how neurons fire. So we took everything day by day at her pace. Her progress sometimes feels like nothing short of a miracle. However, we know that every bit of progress has come from our consistency. Over the years, we would have rare people that would decide that because we couldn't touch her feet, or at times we couldn't touch her anywhere without a major meltdown, that we were doing things wrong. However, there were bigger worries when she arrived. These were always people that came in later and didn't meet the dog that she was in the beginning. She is a very sensitive dog, and we selected what we worked on based on what she was ready for and what was most needed. Initially, she had issues with food insecurity, so we consistently fed her at the exact same times and the exact same amounts so that she knew food would always be provided to her. When she was at the first place, she just got fed in a pen with other dogs, and because she was blind and maybe a little bit more timid, she didn't eat. It took time, but she no longer eats with the same sense of desperation and does not guard her food. She hated power tools, so for the first year, while we worked around our new house, we worked on having her a safe place to go when she was frightened. We ensure now that she has a safe place that is just hers, and it remains in the same place it did when she needed a safe place when she was younger. It no longer has a door because that's not needed. We listen to what she is saying with her body language while we're working with her to ensure that we are on the right track. Does this mean that training is always pleasant? Unfortunately, no. When I worked with her for the sound of neighborhood lawnmowers, I had to find an audio track and play it inside when we were at times of rest. I waited until she would relax again before turning it off. I spent weeks randomly turning on lawnmower sounds for her to get used to them. Now we could mow the lawn with her right beside us and she wouldn't care. We don't because, you know, safety, but we could. As for the walking, take it slow. Really hear what Isidro is telling you when you're trying. If a walk isn't achievable yet, good news. It sounds like he has everything he needs to be safely sustained within the house and the yards. You have time. Make your front yard an extension of your house. Leave the front door open when you're out there and add a table and some chairs, eat supper out there, visit your friends, take a nap in a hammock or a chair out front. Enjoy your morning coffee on the step. Anything to act like there is nothing special about the front yard. It exists and you simply use it. In this stage, don't force them outside with you. Just have no people inside and spend time out front. While continuing to include the front yard in your routine, get a short lead that doesn't touch the ground when clipped to his collar. Carry it and the leash around the house and around the backyard. Hold it while you're feeding him, cuddling him. Make it a fixture in the house. When you aren't holding it, leave it on tables, the couch, the floor, in random rooms, chairs, counters, everywhere. If the jingles seem to be the biggest trigger, get a leash that doesn't jingle 
and a tag bag to silence the tags on his collar. Consider having an extra slip-on collar, like a thick martingale collar, to put on before mealtime and remove after mealtime. If he enjoys going in and out of the backyard, add another one or the same one to that routine, putting it on every single time he goes out and removing it when he comes back in. Ensure you're going at his pace and that he is comfortable with it. With our sight hound, we used a two inch thick collar from Homestretch Horse and Hound for this portion as she needed a thicker collar. We also used snoods with her when it was cold outside and she loves them. Any over the head actions that are positive and enjoyable, we completely exploited. Next step for us would be clipping the short lead onto the collar that he wears most of the time and then leaving it on not addressing you've done anything, just clip it on, go on with your day, make your meals, take a shower, whatever you do in a day, do it after clipping the short lead onto his collar. This is in addition to the previous steps. Continue carrying the regular lead around and leaving it around the house and continue using the front yard as an extension of your home. Once he is used to being taken on, it being taken on and off, do it more frequently, remembering not to change your routine or your energy levels while you're doing this. We have made huge strides with our girl simply by not putting our emotions onto her. If there is a thunderstorm, we change nothing. If they show us they have anxious energy, we find their favorite toys and play with them for a few minutes and keep our energy calm and collected. This year, we had a tree fall on our front step. It was so loud, it shook our house. We immediately got the chainsaw, a loud power tool, and cut it up. Neither dog cared enough to get up. They know if they need to move, we will move them. My point is, keep the energy you allow around Isidro calm, even uninterested. Once you're able to put the short leash on and off without reaction, then add the regular leash and hold it while you cuddle, or while he naps supervised, of course. Eventually, try it in the backyard, he will let you know when he is ready for the next step, whatever it ends up being. Eventually, transition into walks. Maybe those walks aren't out front of your house. Maybe start at a friend's farm or a dog park where you can book some one-on-one -on -one time. Somewhere you can control what he interacts with. And if any negative association happens, it isn't close to home for Isidro. I have every bit of faith that you and your family are doing exactly what is right for Isidro. Apollo wouldn't have become the dog he was if even one person's energy was off inside his main home. Take the time to document where he is today in all areas, because I assure you, the dog he is today is vastly different than the dog he will be in one year, five years, and into his old age. Just being in a safe and secure environment is already far past where he was previously. Take your time and learn with him. What an amazing opportunity you have to grow together. Our dog is easily one of the biggest life changers we've encountered. And if I could go back, I would do it all again. It's time for us to move on to our last situation, which is brought to us by user Melsab. Let's dive in. Weird question, but I'm wondering if there's a place I could stay for three nights due to a job contract in Kinston and bring my dog meaning my dog would stay alone like he does at home for five hours while I'm at work. I'm sort of stranded as I don't want to get my dog babysat as he's a handful or yet cancel the job. 
The obvious choice is if your dog is a safe pet to leave at home and won't chew furniture or walls or destroy anything, go with an Airbnb or a hotel that allows dogs and explain the situation. Go from there. If he'll bark all day, damage the property, or harm anyone or anything, then find a pet sitter or a doggy daycare or a boarder. Lots of dogs are difficult. Our blind dog has and can still be very high strung. The thing we've learned since having her is she's still a pretty normal dog. We didn't get her groomed until it was emergent. One groomer wouldn't even touch her, but still charged for more than a full groom, shrugging while stating they tried. They did end up reversing the charge for her not being groomed. However, they also left a lot of soap, not rinsed from our other dog, that enjoys a good day of pampering. In that moment, I learned the values of double-checking our groomer's training and personality before ever booking them in. Every other groomer we've taken her to grooms her, cleans her ears, trims her nails, and returns her happier than she was when she was dropped off. The feedback we receive when we express how embarrassed we are by how spicy she is is that she's like every other dog that doesn't appreciate being at the groomer. Now we get that she's like every other dog that is indifferent to the groomer. People that work with dogs come across every type of dog, the well-socialized, the spicy, and the under-socialized alike. They are there to help support you and your pet to living a happy life together. Find a reputable boarder or an in-home pet sitting service and just suck it up and try it out. We spent three years stressed that our dog wasn't manageable, only to be told that despite her differences, she's still a dog. Maybe even one of the most dog-like dogs out there. We just had to get over our own anxieties about her and let her live the life of a dog. We put too much on her. She wasn't too much. As always, if you agree or disagree with any advice I've provided, please let me know in the comments below. Feel free to share additional advice you have for each person in the comments on YouTube. If you'd like to reach out for advice, send me an email to maggiemikedupsubmissions at gmail.com or contact me on social media at maggiemikedup. If you'd like to hear more from me, like this podcast and subscribe to my podcast and social medias. <laughs>